Boom, welcome to episode 325 of Three Beers of Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Good evening, sir. Hello, Colin, on a very... Well, not quite as chilly as it once was, but still pretty fucking cold west of Scotland. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I, I guess there's people in Alaska and shit like that and fucking Russia and all that and Scandinavia that are like, shut the fuck up. But, I mean, it's like yeah. minus, minus one, minus two, but... Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's it, feels, it cold. feels cold, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes me wonder... Yeah. Canada still functions in like minus twenty five. I'm going like, how do you function in minus twenty five? It just feels like it's impossible totally. to do it. I, I guess there's, there's like a natural acclimatization as well, which, which yeah. because we are four seasons, we never get used to anyone. I, I guess, I guess. Well, we don't. We still try and do stuff in minus five that we should be going like, you know, just stay at home. Whereas people in Canada go, it's minus twenty five, right? We don't. We, we know what to do. We stay at home. We hunker down, and that's it. We don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, minus five. Let's go out and do stuff. Like, no, stay at home, you silly. No, it's like, just, plus, yeah. plus they, I guess they build for the cold as well, whereas we don't Absolutely, as much. Because yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Like the transport sitting around, it's going to be cold. Not so shit still works when it's cold. Even whereas we, we know just like going in Toronto, like every office block underneath it's almost like a wee mall. Underneath it, it's almost like the idea that you stay in the building, you go down, and it's, that's where all your stuff is. You don't have to go out to go places. I like that. Yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah,yeah
until you get more for Christmas until, and start all over again. Until Christmas Day, and it's pretty sure probably get loads more, and it'll, it'll be, you know, it'll, it'll, the fridge will once again be full of punky IPA. But I, I'm always very grateful for my for my beer. Uh, <coughs> so let's begin, Goldie. Cinema catch up. Anything of interest? Cinema you've caught that we've discussed before? Anything? Infinity um, Pool was out this year. Or last year. Think that might have been last year, but you've seen that, yeah. Yeah, so I caught up with it. was 2020. Oh, this year, definitely this year. Yeah. Definitely this year. So, Infinity Pool, which is... Is it Brandon Cronenberg, his name is? Brandon Cronenberg, yes. Brandon Cronenberg, yeah. So it's uh, Brandon Cronenberg's um, body horror, kind of attacking scave on morals and justice and stuff like that. Um, you've seen this one in the cinema, didn't you? So... Yes. Premise to this one is a um, couple going holiday to some resort in a fictional Latin American country. Um, yeah. They get into an accident where he kills somebody, and the punishment over there is that they make a double of you. No, the punishment take, is death, but if you have enough money, you can basically have you can a buy double a double, you yeah, that they kill. Punished for your crimes. Instead of you, which means the rich and famous have basically got a playground where they can. Do what they want. You know, hit, be, be, be as hedonistic as they like without repercussion because they simply go, there's mm. money, build a double. Um, and in true fashion, things get out of control, um, more and more depraved and depravity, um, and it all kind of ends pretty badly. Um, yes. But yeah, it's a very good social commentary um, on, you know, like kind of justice and if you could, would you and stuff like that. Um, and some pretty... Pretty cool imagery as well. Um, some some nice yep. body horror. Um, some kind of trippy stuff in there as well. Um, and Mia Goff and Alex Skarsgård were very oh, good. Yeah. Both very good in it. Yeah, Mia Goff's yeah, really yeah. So, yeah, yeah, she's she's got talent, that girl. Um, Skarsgård's always always entertaining as well. He's, mm-hmm. he's always hugely watchable. But yeah, finally, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, scored it a six out of ten because at times it kind of dullers a wee bit and goes a bit kind of. Creepy, weird, psychedelic. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, where, where As Cronenberg has a technique to do. Yeah, yeah dev, definitely. Um, less, less body horror than his dad. Um, he, he does like fluids and stuff like that. He does. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah he, he's like kind of not so much body horror, but more just you know, but parts of bodies you don't particularly want to see doing the things that he shows you them doing, maybe. I think yes. it's his kind of thing. But no, Thank really, really enjoyable. Six out of ten from me. I would say it wasn't quite as good as Possessor. I thought Possessor was a real fucking Which amazing movie. I still need to watch. I know I'm de- desperate to watch this. I just don't know where I can find it. Um, I need yeah, to Possessor, the, the, the idea of Possessor, the, the way it's pulled off, I thought it was just, it's, it felt like a, that felt like a step up. This to me felt, um, it, it's not a step down, that's wrong. It's still a very solid, very well made film and it does exactly what it's intending to do. But it almost felt like he was, you know, Returning to a safe zone a little bit, doing what yeah. you would expect from Cronenberg, where I thought Possessor was just that extra wee step of like, wow, that sort of like, in the same way at times, like, you know, compare it to like when Joe Hill writes horror, sometimes he writes horror and you go, oh, you're very like your dad, I can, I can see you're in it sort of, and it's fine. Every now and again, you'll throw something out and you go, oh my God, you're not your dad, you've got a, you've got a very different take on reality and what yeah. it is. And it's, it's, that, it's that kind of vibe, you can always return to the well if you want, but it's that, it's when you take the wee extra step beyond it. That's when it feels, it feels interesting and different to me. Yeah, there's more there <laughs> than the Cronenberg name. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, yes, yeah. He's like, he's a film in which he was showing himself to be a filmmaker beyond just David Cronenberg's son. Mm. That felt, mm-hmm. whereas this felt almost like he was 
quite kind of almost returning to being David Cronenberg's son, so you get yeah. what you want from yeah. Cronenberg. Definitely, definitely. But <laughs> overall, still enjoyable. It's always nice to see some some kind of different different stuff, I guess, in film. Um, yes. And it definitely it's gives you a really interesting guy as well. Like, you, you don't, he always makes really interesting choices in movies, and yeah. he's charming as yeah. fuck. But he is like you're just big, handsome, big big guy who is like insanely attractive. But yeah. he's also I guess, yeah. he has a good actor, and he's and it's almost like you've got to find the roles for him to, to actually be an actor, not just be the big handsome guy. Yeah. And, and yeah, when you give him that range, he did totally every time. He'll, he'll blow you away. Do you know what I mean? He'll show you yeah. like, more than you know, like True Blood and stuff like that. That was, yeah. that, you know, that's not me. Here's here's him. Yeah. Things like this and the Northman and stuff like that. You know, he's always oh. pushing the challenge himself. And and Mia Goff, yeah, she, she's just rising and rising and rising. There's, there's mm. no stopping that girl just now. She's going to be going to bigger and bigger things, I reckon. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Kind of the, the sequel to Peril and. X coming up and stuff like that, so she's just yes. going to prepare herself into into stardom. Um, so yeah, that that, that was that was my, my only cinema catch up. Nice. Um, well, non cinema viewing calls. You watched something I pretty much finished last week. That was Scott Pilgrim. What's it called? Scott Pilgrim Take, not takes off. Scott Scott Pilgrim, Pilgrim takes, takes off. off. Yeah. So the animated yeah. the animated version of like Scott Pilgrim novels or adaptation of Scott Pilgrim stories. Um, Bringing back all the voice cast from the original movie, which was very nice. Um, it's ten episodes, isn't it? About 25, eight, 27 minutes. Eight episodes, eight. twenty-five minutes. Yeah, so it's just a quick, quick and easy watch. But there's there's a real kind of a real love in it. There is. The, the, I thought that was a yeah. real charm, real love, and a real kind of like the people who make it seem to understand it and they understand what it means to the fan base. Even though it's, yeah. I think what I said, only, only do one season. Because it's yep. not a viewership they expected or, or wanted to, to kind of like the movie. The movie didn't do massive business. Which is why there wasn't yeah. a complete, there wasn't a, a franchise of Scott Program from. They didn't really do that major business. <coughs> but those who do love it seem to really adore it. And I, I don't yeah. love Scott Program like the movie. I think it's a very good movie. Mm. Um, but I very much enjoyed the the, the cartoon. I thought it was, I thought it was yeah. really well done and really clever and smart and just Definitely, so much stuff yeah. going at you all the way through it. But I was reading some reviews for it after I'd watched it, and just the usual people, you know, this this isn't Scott Pilgrim, and you know, this isn't the story, and it's like, well, no, because you've Not seen Scott. Yeah, you, you've watched the movie, you know, that this isn't the movie; it's different. People just they, they don't get it. I, I thought it was really respectful of the source material and what it done. Mm-hmm. It was like a natural direction. It, it didn't yeah. feel forced. Um, it, it still all was within that universe. You weren't missing out on the Scott Pilgrim universe. Everything was still there. It still felt very um, Scott Pilgrim, yeah. I, exactly. I, I like the fact that the, the story changed from like Scott Pilgrim's story to... Um, Ramona, again, yeah. Uh, Ramona, Ramona Flowers, yeah. her story. Yeah. I, I like that. No, definitely. And that, 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 again, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? We know what happened with Scott Pilgrim, but we, we got that for the movie. Do you know what I mean? So let's... Yeah. Let's just take it in a different direction. Let's take it take it off somewhere else, which is why yeah, takes off. But thoroughly yeah. enjoyable. And yeah, um, just hearing that cast again, you you, you kind of realise how perfect that cast was. Um, yeah, it's a, bit, it's a very well cast movie. Massive, massive cast now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm really like, grateful that they all went back to do it. Um, oh yeah, it's nice. I think from what I've heard, they all very much it, it, it hit them when they done the film at a certain point in their life where. It was quite informative towards our life, mm. you know, and it's sort of like it's at like that age when it felt important. Like, kind of like the almost famous cast, apparently, are very much yeah. the same. And 
uh, the Dazed and Confused cast. It's, it's, it's got that kind of a point in life where everyone's roughly the same age and it feels like an important moment for them all. And I think they've all kind of stayed in touch and all got on well. So when it came to doing this, it wasn't a big ask to try and get them all back to yeah. do it. I think you've done, done like a, a script reading of the movie during COVID, possibly over Zoom. I think they done right. like a big, it was like a charity thing. You could pay to watch it. And it was all of them doing the roles in, uh, you know, from oh, that. That's so pretty cool. Yeah. There's yeah. quite a lot of that happened during, during lockdown. Remember they done the yeah. Princess Ride ones and stuff but, like yeah. that as well. So there was quite and a few kind of similar well, yeah. ideas. Yeah, which is, yeah, I like that. It's nice, nice that people go back to what's kind of made them, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Or it's kind of lifted them up. The roots nice of like, who they became is definitely yeah. in the films, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, thoroughly enjoyed Scott Pilgrim. Um, I, I gave it an 8 out of 10. I think I would um, very much the same 8 out of 10. Yeah, couple of episodes weaker than others um, but overall was eight episodes all, all of them are watchable just a couple of wee kind of dips here and there and you know takes a few swings you're like well that's um, a, bit, a bit crazy but loved it loved the animation style um, loved yeah, the casting and stuff like that and loved the whole alternative story of Scott Pilgrim that yeah. fucking, I'm, I'm glad I now know yes yeah. so, happy. happy happy um, <coughs> one that I finished this week calls it I watched it all week this week in fact, I finished it in like three days, because I've actually really adored it, was the new Mike Flanagan series on Netflix called The Fall of the House of Usher, which is obviously based on the Edgar Allan Poe book. But more than that, it's not... He takes that rough idea of the book, and every episode is actually kind of more based on another Edgar Allan Poe story. Oh, no, okay. So it's like, the the overall story is The, fall, is the House of Usher fall. But the other individual stories of the family in it are like sort of like, there's one based very much around the, around the Telltale Heart, and the Remorgue and like sort of the Raven and stuff like that. So it's all kind of like tied into very, very Edgar Allan Poe um, influenced, which as That's a big cool. Edgar Allan Poe fan, I was very much looking forward to this and, and went into it with, 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 with real hope. And I fucking loved it. I generally, it's one of those things that it's kind of campy to a certain degree. It's, it's a little bit, you know, overblown at times, but I think it, it totally works within the world that it's meant to be in. Yeah. You know, it feels almost yeah. like it feels kind of soap opera Somebody described it as Succession. If Succession done a Halloween episode, and I think that's but kind of where it is. I think you can get away with that. I think kind of gothic gets should incorporate yes. an element of that and you'll get away with it. I think, you know, that's the setting for that kind of fucking, you know, over-the-top exuberance yeah. as, as gothic setting, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and you've got like some amazing deaths in it. Like the, the one for the, 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 the first death you see in it is like, holy shit, it's genuinely horrendous. Like, yeah. and it makes you fucking really think. Um, you've got a really good cast. The people who are back in it from before, uh, from all from Mike Flying has a sort of a rolling repertoire of a mm. cast, um, where he brings people back. He also brings in some new people now and again. So he brought in Mark Hamill into this one. Cool. He, he plays sort of like the lawyer, the enforcer lawyer, who's very creepy and really, plays a really good role in it. And you get, I think he was in one of the, I think he pretty much he was in Haunted, Haunted House. Um, Elliot from ET is it um, Henry Thomas? Yeah. He's, he's very yeah. good in this as well. He's um, he's been in all of them, hasn't he? Though he's he's I been think, the one. He's part of the repertoire because I think his yeah. wife's in it. It's not his wife. Yeah, she, she, she's yeah. in it as well. Um, you get Bruce Greenwood, who apparently and I didn't know it in this at the time, but apparently Frank Langella was originally cast in his role, and okay. apparently was, something happened on set at, very late on, so he gets shit canned. So they had to bring him, Bruce, Bruce Greenwood brought in at very short notice and they reshot all the Bruce Greenwood stuff to fit in with the film. And honestly, you, I would not have known when we were watching it. It, it did not Seamless. in any way to me feel that 
it would then four sounds like holy shit that's that's very impressive I only found out after the show but no it's a properly good every episode about is about an hour long mm. um <coughs> maybe some go about too long but there's some the episode they all kind of ebb and flow and there's a lot of it's very funny like ridiculously like ridiculously funny because like just that completely like they're all awful people and you mm. want awful things to happen to them so like when and they say awful things but you can't help but laugh at them saying ridiculously awful things to each other um, and about other people you know so it's like when one of them dies it's uh, the, the thing is that the, the press release says blah 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 who died age 35 and then they go oh that's a bit harsh well like, yeah 35 imagine, imagine like calling their age out that's fucking horrendous you know like it's that kind of yeah. you know not, you know the fact they're reporting on their sister's death so it's really well um, done so what's the hunting hill house that was flanagan yes um, what was the next one i done was it the the black live manner and then he done i've not seen that one. He reports for that one he did midnight mass as well which i thought was midnight mass is one which i've not seen i've not seen live manner in this He's done Midnight Book Club or something. That's like a young adult one. Oh, is that him as well? Right, cool. And then he's done he's this. Well. So he, he also directed um, Gerard's Game, the one, the Stephen King mm. adaptation. And mm. he directed Doctor Sleep as well, which I thought was excellent as well. Yeah, Doctor Sleep was fucking amazing. Yeah, both. Yeah, so he's done some really good... He's, he seems to know he's... And in this, basically, the part of this one is there's a rich family and the young... The kids in the family start dying based on a, a possible supernatural reason but it's the family getting brought down a pharmaceutical company and they start to try and figure out why they're getting killed essentially that's basically the basic premise of the plot but there's yeah. a lot more involved in it than just that so yeah it's is it's, this is this his best work so far do you think <coughs> is it better than haunted hill house or i think it's better than haunted, better than haunted house and haunted hill but i really did enjoy that a lot mm. um yeah I, I don't think it's as good as dr sleep i think dr sleep is amazing yeah, but as a fellow, totally. it's hard to compare. Um, I've not watched the the kid one, the the the, the, the young adult one, and I've not watched Blind Man. I guess I heard bad things about it, so that's mm, maybe should yeah. dabble in and see how how see what it's like. But it's just it's great, like you know, it's cold outside entertainment. You know, you want to sit and watch, you want to binge something for like eight episodes, and I did. I pretty much binged it over two days. Just couldn't help but watch it and it just it but i guess bad. it's just it's that cozying up in it do you know what i mean just fucking cozy up and just put on some yeah creep, creepy shit about then do you know what i mean that, that's and he also does well like he can he can do yeah he oh, does yeah. like a jump scare pretty well but he can also do some really creepy shit really really well as well like he can actually mm-hmm. get right under your skin which i think is really impressive i remember we haunting in our house it was like Ship was constantly moving while we were watching it, so they would be that like that. Statue's yeah. moved, and you're like, oh, didn't he? And then you'd rewind it, you'd be like, fuck off. Do, do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's it's subtle. Do you know what I mean? It's creepy shit. You're like, no, that's um. Did it's I see that? Did I not? You talk about again, but I, I think that's one of the more concise versions of that. You can definitely see he's a better writer now. I think you can mm. definitely feel that in it as well. And I think he directs maybe six out of the eight. So I'm not sure. I'm oh, maybe yeah, wrong. I think it was six out of eight he directs. So it, it definitely feels more concise. And if you, and it's like because the writing's improved, I feel that is one of the big uplifts from the other stuff. But yeah, if you get a chance to eight episodes. I think you'll love it. I think Lorraine will love yeah. it. It's one of those really cracking watches. It's everyone that I've spoke about this has said the exact same thing. Like, why are you not watching this? So I, I do yeah. need to get into it at some point. I will. Um, before we move on to your marathon movie section, um, the mm-hmm. last thing I've got that's non-cinematic um, is an oldie but goodie um, from 1955, The Night of the Hunter. Oh, I love that film. 
it's a great film. I've seen it. I've seen it before, yes. but um, Lorraine hadn't seen it, so she said, "Would you mind watching this?" And I was like, "Not in the fucking slightest, because it's a brilliant film." Mm. Um, so we, we we watched that. Night Hunter is one where Robert Mitchum um, gets wind of a dead ex cellmate um, where he's hidden his stolen money, um, yes. and he basically goes and terrorises a family to to get this money. Um, he plays oh. a preacher on it, or a yes, kind of. Says he's a preacher, um, not to like if it ever was, but it, it's a really, really weird film because it's got this like Shelley Winters well, Winters. Winters. yep, younger Shelley Winters in it, but it's got Mitchum playing this over the top, like absolutely crazy preacher. But then in the middle, we'll kind of move to sections where it's like. Like, like a waking dream of you know like uh-huh. these kids floating down the river and stuff like that and it just kind of moves around and pulls you into you know almost like different movies sometimes different genre and you're, you're it, in a good way do you know what I mean because it just kind of lifts you right out of this tension and you know just this dreamlike sequence and then boom back into tension again it's just kind of it's always shifting um really 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 amazing performances um Shirley Winter um and it, she plays like the kind of dim but lovely wife and see Mitchum plays a horrible preacher killer. Um, the kids in it aren't annoying, which is always a bonus as well. But yeah, great, yeah, great film. Well. It's, it's, it's a, especially films from the forties and fifties. I generally always find the kids very, very grating. It's yeah, I, I have a tough time with them a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. There's a few films that I've seen where have not been. I think How to Kill a Mockingbird and this. The kids are, are kind of alright, but yeah, there's a lot of the films from that period. The kids are just like. Yeah, they come on, they're just these great and fucking Hollywood kid stars and that uh-huh, cut free. Yeah. But amazing film for anyone out there that's not seen it. Um, it's, it's a classic for a reason. You've got to watch it. Um, Night Hunter from 1955. I rated it a 7 out of 10. Um, just because it's kind of not aged as well as it maybe kind of could have. Um, you know, a wee bit kind of older now and stuff like that. Um, and kind of some of the scenes are a bit kind of bizarre and not quite impactful as it would have been then now um stuff like that but worth watching um just to just to kind of tick i think it's one of the top 500 movies and lots of kind of rating characters and stuff like that as well so one to watch you know it's not if you watch films like that and it's, i've said it to you before so you watch movies like, like from the 1940s 1950s even 1930s the guys in it like they've lived a life before they even became actors so like like the yeah. acting in it's almost that's just that's a third act sometimes like for example like james gleason who's in it mm. he was born on the eight. He was born in the eighteen eighties. Like so, he's like he was born before cinema was a thing. So he's probably like treaded the boards. Possibly. Done, well, he fought, done he, silence. He apparently fought in the Spanish American War and he fought in World War One, and then he became an actor. So that's like so. so by the time he gets to like yeah. Night of the Hunter in nineteen fifty, he's well on in life. He's like in his seventies at that point. So this is like almost like a, a final kind of like oh this is what I'm going to do after I've done all that other shit. And my yeah, life, you know. Well, I've lived a life. What can I do now? I'll make a movie. Um, yeah, yeah, Aye. totally. It's totally. like you know the idea of like the idea of people it's, it always get really caught up in this of, of watching a film like from the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, when the folk who are old in it, so maybe it's like an like an eight year old man in it. So mm. wonderful life's got a bunch of them as well. And you're going when they were born, cinema wasn't even an imagined thing. Yeah, like it did, yeah. it did not exist. It was moving pictures was like don't be ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? It, oh, was, so yeah. they're, they're still yeah. like forty, like maybe twenty thirty years away from. They they've been in their thirties before cinema became actually an, an actual thing. Yeah, that's on it. Yeah, and it's then crazy. making movies and becoming becoming stars. Uh-huh. It's also that thing as well where people feel like <laughs> the twenties, maybe up to like the the kind of sixties, 
they always looked like they were always of an age. They, they never looked like they were ever young. Do you know what I mean? Like Robert Mitchell, oh, yeah, yeah. Ernest Borden and stuff like that. They just like, You don't ever... There's no record that I've ever seen these people as, as anything other than, you know, the kind of middle age. It's bizarre. Utterly bizarre. I don't know where that comes from. Are, are you going to watch the... I think it's on ITVX now. I don't know if it's out yet or it's coming out soon. Um, it's Archie. And it's um, Jason yeah. Isaacs playing... Um, Carrie Grant. Grant, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. It looks quite interesting. Yeah, I'd be down with that because yeah. Isaacs is always the others and he's he's got that suave that he could pull that off. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm de- definitely intrigued by that one. Um, I'm not yeah. sure what it's going either, but. I've... It's ITVX, it's on only four episodes, so apparently it's quite interesting because I think you know, his name was, was it Archibald Leach. What, that was Archie, his... Archie Leach, yeah. yeah. Archie Leach was his actual name. Very sad. He's done well yeah, he done well oh. picking Cary Grant as well. So I mean, what what a yeah. thing we change it to? But no, I think it'd be quite interesting. Um, plus, it's always nice to see old Hollywood and stuff like that as well. Which, I mean, get back yeah. in the industry, so that'd be nice. But yeah, I'll watch that one as well. But Night of Hunter, Night of Hunter, recommend watch it. If you I watched it. Actually, it was quite, I think I watched it last year. Night of the Hunter again. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've very much enjoyed it. It's yeah. Sometimes in the films in the forties and fifties, I I do have a detachment from them. Mm. I, I don't really it feels like it does feel like almost like watch something from a different age which essentially it is but the good ones still stand like something like the 39 steps and like citizen kane and um stuff like that <coughs> they to me still hold up immensely well you know like, yeah. they, they yeah. don't feel yes they're old but they don't feel old the themes and the way they're, they're portrayed feels modern to me when i'm watching them yeah there, there is a lot i think it's when you get sucked into the films that the, the time frame they're in becomes a part of or a plot for the film but it's yeah. something that you can't relate to because it's a time frame that you never understood do you yeah. know what I mean as well possibly that's something that, I'm, not, I'm not sitting watching like Night of Hunter and going why don't you use mobile phone somebody why don't you use phone somebody why don't you check on Google I'm not mm. thinking that when I'm watching it but there is a lot of older from them and I just I don't I feel a detachment from them but the good ones the really good ones I do feel like you just totally suck you in and draw you in and you're absolutely really mad like anything by, like anything by Hitchcock essentially you know Nothing that I don't care how old they are, it still feels like it feels modern because everything has ripped it off since. Yeah, I totally. I you're still you're still seeing it now. Yeah, that that, that uh-huh. influence. So you're still seeing it in every other film that you're watching. No, totally. Yeah, totally get him. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Right, sir. I believe um that, that's me. I've exhausted my viewing for this week, so it's it's now the Richard show. Um, over that's to you. Cinema. So. We'll start calls with Saltburn, which is I, was, I saw the cinema. It's directed by Emerald Fennell, who, who directed um, Promising Young Woman and won an Oscar for the screenplay. I think film that we both enjoyed. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, that was a good film. Um, yeah, disturbing. So Saltburn, Saltburn's the young guy starting college in, in Oxford, and I think it's like 2006, um, and he is a, from a working class background, very much in the periphery of Oxford. Where everyone else knows everybody because they're all from the same families, and they all. There's, you know, so it's a big, you know, boys club. The old boys club, yeah, yeah. The old boys club, yeah. So, and he feels very much in the periphery. He eventually starts to become friends with one of the guys who's sort of like the shining beacon in the the, the group, and he starts to hook up with him, and not hook up, but become friends with him. Um, things happen, and eventually he gets invited by this guy to his family estate, which is Saltburn, for the summer. And from there, other shit happens because he gets ingratiated with the family and the story sort of unfolds or devolves from there as this guy tries to sort of realise he's sort of, he's in this world, but he's definitely not a part of it. But he mm. pines to be, you know, part of it. Part of sense. it, yeah. He wants to be in- included, yeah. 
Yes. Um, so in the film, you've got Barry Keel. He plays the working class kid who is trying to do good. You've got Jacob Ed, I think it's Ed, Ed, Ed uh, Elordi. He plays this, the, the posh boy. He's going to have a big He's also playing Elvis in the new uh, Priscilla movie. So he's going to be... Oh, right, okay, back. cool. Big name so a up. handsome guy. He's, he's not mm. a bad looking boy. Um, yeah. You've also got Harry Mulligan popping up in for a little kind of cameo. Alison Oliver, Archie uh, Madiqui, uh, Richard E. Grant, one of your favourites, um, yeah. and Roseman Pike. They play the... Roseman Pike and, and Richard E. Grant play the parents of the rich kids. Okay, cool. And with So... <coughs> It's very much a film of two halves. So the first half I was kind of with it because it's like it's like it's this guy trying to ingratiate himself with this rich clique and feeling as an outsider. And I think we've all had that feeling, or like even yeah. not necessarily regarding you know financial status, but you've Class, always yeah. all been in groups, be it, be it class, just be it anything where you feel you're sitting in a group and you go like I'm the outsider here and I'll never belong to this. And no matter how much yeah. if I tried they would still see me as the other. And yeah. you, you see that, and I was kind of, I was getting that, and I was enjoying that part of it, and I was kind of with it. The second hour of it, it takes some swings, and the swings are wild. The swings are uncontrolled at times, um, and it didn't entirely work for me um, yeah. when it was like that. It, it, it sort of, it, did, it, it set up a lot of stuff, and it never delivered on what I wanted. I mean, it delivers, but it, I don't think it has any grounding in what a, what the film could have been. Um, so could you see <laughs> what it was trying to do, or was it just like that? This I can is see not what it's trying where... to do, and its message of what it's trying to do is it, it's a message that feels completely misguided. If I were compare to something like, for example, maybe a film we saw the Riot Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the message of that film was all these tops are pricks. Don't yep. fucking trust them. They're all, basically the whole point of the film is the rich get away with what they want to get away with. Yeah. That's what you need to do, right? That's what happens, you know, and that's, we all yeah. know this, but we fucking hate them for it. Yeah, there's no happy ending. To, yeah, yeah. This film, the, the, the op, it seems to be like almost a cautionary tale that the rich will show their kids to go, don't trust a fucking poor person, you know? Don't mm. don't trust the plebs because they'll always try and fuck you over. And I feel like that seems a really misguided message to try and put out there. You know, it felt I felt like an odd, you know, definitely, yeah, especially in today's climate as well, <laughs> where um, you know the the, the richer in, in the news for the wrong reasons most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's why your social mobility is sort of like we don't want social mobility. It's um, it's bad. Um, Barry Kehoe, but we get better to be good. Get that's all good stuff because this performance of Barry Kehoe obviously is excellent. The man is just he's both charming and terrifying at the same time and he's there's a, an amazing energy he gives off I'm not I, I always feel sorry for him and I want to, you want to hug him and cuddle him and keep him, keep him yeah. safe but at the same time you know he will probably gut you in your sleep you know he's got a dangerous yeah, he's, yeah. One, he, he's in that kind of George McKay vein where there's just something about him that you're just always watching that face and trying to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? You're like, what's going on? He's a caged tiger that is very yeah. pretty to look at, very good, but you also know if that thing gets loose, it will rip you limb from limb. Yeah, and he plays you know, on that. He chooses parts that, that, that yes. kind of work for that as well. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, he is excellent. He is as mm. excellent. Um, maybe let down by a script that sort of has him not given enough, but he has performs is still excellent. Um, mm. Richard E. Grant and Roseman Pike they play the parents and they are having a shit ton of fun, fun. they are loving yeah. what they're doing 
they understand in the role. Yeah. No, but they, everyone understands the role, but they've got better. They've, they've got the best line. They're they essentially just like these ditzy, like rich people who've never had to deal with the real world in any way, shape, or form, and just can say completely mm. ridiculous stuff. You know, <laughs> Rosemont Pike has a line that says, um, "What like, goes? I used to be a lesbian, but it was all too wet for me. I like men. It's so much drier." And you go, "That's a ridiculous line." That when Rosemont Pike says it. It comes across exceptionally funny and, and yeah. magnificently well delivered, you know. So it's like she can do comedy in that respect, you know. Um, so yeah, so it's it's very very good, and um, they're very good. Um, like I said, well, thing in the second half didn't work for me. The, the tone for the character it just moves around too much, and like I said, the, the overall message of the film of don't trust the poor it's it it just didn't twink with yeah. me obviously. Um, when I would most likely see the white see the rich with their heads on spikes. Um, so it's one of those sort of weird one star ten star films a little bit you know it's like you could mm. give it kind of anything in between as well because it's there's a lot of great stuff in it and there's a lot of really average bit blue stuff in it as well um i enjoyed the, the 1990 or 2006 setting because it was like sort of a little bit before the time when everybody on the phone could find anything out there was still a little bit of that kind of it was still yeah. you, know, you, had, you know it was, a there was still more. some mystery in the fucking world yeah yeah, yeah and like they're all wearing clothes that you go, even if you're rich, you can't pull that shit off. You know, like some rich kid in Oxford walking around with like a, one of those, like, the trousers that says Juicy on the back. You go, yeah. even even if you're rich, you can't pull that off. Like, no one can really yeah. pull that shit off. You know, it's that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so it's like, and it's, yeah, so I dug it uh, to some degree. Didn't dig it in a lot of respects. So with that in mind, it's a five out of ten. Because it's, it's very much just down. It's what, what the you're good, saying good, bad, of- bad. I've read so many reviews, like professional ones, amateur as well, saying it, it's completely polarising. I mean, the device of it's, yeah. you know, that does does it doesn't sit in any one place. You know, it's no, fucking it from one end of the exactly. scale to the other. You know, it's everywhere in between. So, but yeah, what, what you're saying is, well, I'm still intrigued to see it. Um, I've, I've yeah, heard I, it's I think you did. I'm definitely because there is some stuff in this film that you do absolutely fucking do not expect, and. The yeah, swing to go goes, for it, you, like, it goes oh, big a and a half, and yeah. the performance to do it, it's like, holy fuck, that's a performance. Like, but does it save in that? No. But you know, I'm, I remember, I'm sitting somewhere going, like, I can't believe I'm watching that happen on screen. Like, it, yeah. it, it, it's completely ridiculous. And do I laugh at it? Do I, what, like, what's the reaction? Like, what's the, the actual response to this? <laughs> So yeah. there is stuff like that. I can't, I can't think of anything else in particular being you've seen that I can compare it to in that respect. But you're kind of going, like plotted for for the swing and the try, but it didn't pull off for me yeah. uh, overall. Didn't quite land. Cool, cool, but exciting, exciting <laughs> director, writer, and good things to come. Yes, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Like I said, this is a you know, obviously she's fallen off a a break, or like debut breakthrough, and it's like the sophomore effort's always the toughest one because there's that that yeah. expectation of what you can deliver, and there's maybe a yeah. lot more pressure. Whereas maybe by the time you get to your third film, you've got a bit more um, like kind of leeway to sort of like. Have a, have a th- you know, have a bit more, a bit, bit, a bit more rope. Um, yeah, you've also right, you're, a confidence with maturity as well, I guess. So, I mean, like, I've kind of done this a couple of times now, I've kind of know <laughs> where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, definitely, well, definitely go and watch it. But I, I think you'll definitely get something from it. I do, I yeah. want to see it. I've just, I've, the last couple of weeks has been a nightmare for Sinner for me. I've just had stuff on and just diamonds and stuff like that. So, I definitely need to get Mars out there and see some stuff next week. I, will so say, I, saw this in, I saw this in another film on a Wednesday afternoon because I had the day off and between the two screenings including myself, there was five people saw the two films. Wow. 
I know oh. it was a Wednesday, it was during the day and stuff like that, so it was not always busy, but that felt still. Still, like, though, this one, yeah. there was me and a, one other person in the cinema. Guess that's not too awkward. It's like, yeah, we're just quite away from each other. I didn't know the person was in until the film ended, to be honest. So right, they must have okay. come in, like when I was focusing the film, they must have come in just at the start of the film. I didn't even know they were in the film. I wonder if they didn't take off or anything, you know, to get really comfortable. Okay. Um, which would not have been out of place in this film. Um, okay, so five out of ten for that one. Um, on from that, Cozy, a wee quick one on Netflix called Stamped from the Beginning, um, directed by Roger Ross Williams, who directed Cassandro and the Apollo. Um, plot of this film is like an, it's an animated film and with talking heads in it as well. Basically, talking about race in America and the idea of like how race has always been used to sort of denigrate and bring people down and make them into sort of like a second class citizen or third class citizen or even fourth class citizen depending on how you look at it mm. um i'm not going to go too big into it because the, the stuff in it we all kind of know about it and it's yeah. always very important to have to have in just i need to mention it because it's, it's very well done the animation is quite unique and interesting as well so it's not just a bunch of talking heads explaining stuff to you there's actually a lot more stuff in it that makes it come alive a little bit more yeah. and it's I'm always it's always very important to get these messages across, yeah. but sometimes they come across very dry, and you've got to try and like make it more interesting, um, to make it actually like watchable in some ways, you know, because yeah. you can only watch so many talking heads before it becomes a bit dull. So you've got to try and find a way to make a message. You know, yeah, totally, aye, totally, yeah. So it's on Netflix. It's called Stamp from the Beginning, um, and I I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really well done. Give it a very solid eight out of ten. Um, but like I said, it's it's it's, it's not anything you've not seen before in something like the Thirteenth Amendment mm. or the the many many documents about you know the, the troubles with race and particularly yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this is more taking a very much a a, a worldwide view, but focusing on America a lot of the time, which um, makes sense. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's very well done. Always, you know, always, I've saw a documentary on him before. So you hear James Baldwin talk about race, it's unbelievable. You mean, like, in fact, he was saying stuff that he talks about um, when he was doing it on like TV in the 1950s and 60s ago that, like, it must have been like hated beyond belief by some of the mm. stuff he was saying. It's so, like, just completely on the point, and it just, it just seemed to abs- I want to learn more about him because he just seems an absolutely fascinating man who lives in a world where everything about him people would have hated, but he would just went, he's like, oh, fucking wrong, I'm, a, I'm an exceptionally smart man. And yeah, I know what I'm yeah. saying is correct. And when I say it, you go, well, he's 100% accurate, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and and I guess it's came to fruition. His, his prophecies, it's time has shown it. You were right, pal. Yeah. Aye. Sadly. So, sadly um, yeah. yeah um, I'll, I'll maybe try yeah, and watch that one. Documentary, so I don't know, but um, definitely piqued my, piqued my interest with it. So I might, I might try and check it out. Yes, definitely. It's- I don't know if you'll love it because I know you're not a documentary fan, but I think it was it was it's a good message and it was it was doing good things. And like I only mention because it, what it did it done in an interesting way, and that's sometimes mm. half the battle to make something yeah. in, make it make something interesting and different to make you actually want to watch it. So Definitely. start from the beginning. It's on Netflix. Well worth a wee, cool. wee gander if you're intrigued. Cool. Um, <coughs> we'll finish with it's been out in cinema for a good month or so now, but I finally got around to seeing it. Because I had five hours to spare, um, and that is the new Martin Scorsese film, The Killers, The Flowers of the Killer Moon. Um, so, like I said, directed by Martin Scorsese. Again, I'm not going to mention Martin. I mean, like he's Martin Scorsese, he's done fucking everything. You know, if you don't know who Martin yeah, Scorsese is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Why are you listening? <laughs> yeah, my yeah. God. So, so yeah. 
plot of this, <coughs> so the plot of this film is it's based on a true story. It's um, Native Americans. Um, I I'm I'm very annoyed. I can't remember the name of the tribe. I'm just going to get the name of the tribe now, so I can actually give it the right name. Because um, it's not just Native American, it's a specific, specific crime uh, tribe. Sorry. It's not a um, Sinahasi. Right. Okay. The Osage people, they've been put on this land because of like you know what happened with America, basically just putting people on reservations. And what you know, on this reservation, they find oil. And because of that, the Osage people become the richest people per capita in the world. Like, the money they have is beyond belief, you know. Insane. They're so rich, they can, buy, they can basically buy a car, drive it to runs out of petrol, and then rather than putting new petrol in it, just get another car. That's, <laughs> that's, okay. the, le- that's the level of wealthy people are at. But because they're Native American, therefore they are not white, their money has been tied up by white people who don't allow to spend it unless they give the okay to it, because they're benefactor, essentially. So, as racism is still racism, um, yeah. and also more important, the main point of the story is, there is a, the people who are not Osage tribe, they want this land. If you have the land, you have the head rights, you have the money for the oil. You've, You've got, got the oil, yeah. So, a lot of the Osage uh, tribe begin dying, and let's say less than non-suspicious circumstances and because of that the government well not government they, they also go try to investigate find out exactly what's happening and why it's happening and um, okay. because well you know why it's happening and it's it's to try and uncover what's going on in regards try, to the yeah try um, to prove that, that that's what's happening yeah yeah that that's been killed yeah. for their for their, their head rights um and the film you've got lily gladstone she plays um sort of the main Osage tribe member you follow. Um, she, her family, her four sisters, own a share of the head rights of their land that their mother has. But when she dies, it will go to the four of them. But hmm. sisters start getting killed, so she's sort of the last remaining sister um, who's, who's who's got the head rights. Uh, DiCaprio plays her husband. Um, you got De Niro plays DiCaprio's uncle. You get Jesse Plemons. He plays a, an FBI agent. You've also got in very small role, John Lithgow pops up in it, as does Brendan Fraser. <coughs> pops up in it. Still very nice much in the, in the whale version. You know, he's still very much a big Brendan Fraser. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Like I said, put it out there, this film is three hours and 40 long, I think it is. I went in at 3.20 and I got out at 19.10. That tells you the yeah, level yeah. that it's, it's definitely a film that has an ass. It's an ass number, is what it is. It is, but what I will say, I have I have watched ninety minute films recently that felt longer and less interesting mm-hmm. than this did three hours and forty. If you put this, if I was asked to watch this again or watch Friday at Freddy's again, I would happily sit for three hours and forty minutes and watch this, and rather than watch fucking ninety or eighty nine minutes of Friday night at Freddy's, because this, yes, it's over three hours long, but fuck me, it zips across and it's so finely crafted by well, Martin Scorsese and what Mark Spencer can do, that it never at any point feels like a long film. It, it, well, that's a lie, so it does take one, few points that feel a long film, but for the most part, it pushes along so quickly and it's so full of energy and it's so engaging that you don't look mm. at your watch, you don't care, you're just, you're just taking in with a story and you're just, yeah. Yeah. you're there, you're watching some great actors do great acting, you know, also it looks magnificent, the world it's built is like, yes, it's like 1920s or 1920s, 1930s, um, America's <laughs> so it's not a 
we've all seen it before, but this is, it feels it's a world that's so lived in and the culture is there and it doesn't feel like any way it's ever pandering to that culture. It always feels it feels very realistic and not documentarian by any stretch of imagination, but it feels mm. a, a believable world. Authentic, yeah. yeah. Authentic, yeah, that's what I'll look for, yeah. Performances, as you're expecting the cast have got. <coughs> like, excellent. <coughs> DiCaprio, very good, but he has done a little bit of a... Um, Brando and the Godfather with the mouth. He sort of feels like he's sort of well, like... I was going to ask you about this, because I've read reviews about this, and one of the things that I see crop up again and again is DiCaprio mugging in a way that De Niro would... That's what I thought as well. When, when I first saw him on screen, I thought, is he doing a De Niro impression? Yeah. yeah. It, felt, it felt a little bit like that at times. I'm going, he seems to be, he, he, the jaws, like the jaws going out. Yeah. Uh, and he felt, uh, he felt, and I'm going, I don't like know. Like a downturn mouth. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. He, he's very, I, he very much like he was doing a commitment with De Niro, a bit of a brando. I'm going, that's a very odd choice, but he's still very good as an actor, obviously. He's an yeah, excellent actor. Of Leonardo DiCaprio, he's very good at what he yeah. does. Um, but it felt an odd thing. It felt an unnecessary, like, step. In the, the, to the to show they're related, you don't have to do yeah. that. We, we get it, just no. say they're related. That convinced right there, do you know that's his uncle. Ah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, De Niro, excellent in this as well. De Niro, excellent. I mean, obviously, we all know De Niro is an excellent actor, but he has mm. done some shit in the past, what, 20 years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. slipped a so, little bit. Uh-huh. Slipped a lot, I would say, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know. So, when you see him do this, you go, holy fuck. We, we always forget De Niro is a great actor. And, mm. Yeah, we can all watch Goodfellas. We can all watch, you know, we've seen Goodfellas. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Goodfellas, yeah. Goodfellas and Casino, and we can watch, yeah. you know, things like, you know, Heat and Ronin and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Taxi. I mean, you go, you know, it's obviously the best, probably one of the best that's ever done it, you know, in the past, you know, 50 to 100 years. Yep. But his recent output has been so poor, you go, oh, I almost forget about that, De Niro. But this is like, oh my yeah. God, De Niro is still De Niro. He's still, when he wants to, he's still got that charisma. He's still got that, um, like iconicness when you see him on screen, he doesn't do that shouty thing that he does sometimes. Does you know, he, he, at times he turns a lot yeah. of casino things in the past. Yeah, just loud, loud is better. And it's like no, it's, it's, it's you don't loud doesn't make it better. It makes it louder. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. So, yeah. Do you know excellent? Clemens also very good. He's a very soft sort of like quiet man in this. Mm. Only appears in the final hour of the film. He's not in for the first two hours. But you go in, you go, oh, he's, Clemens is Clemens is a really good actor. You know, Clemens he, 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 he's, he's got he's. He, I think the problem with Clemens is, um, unfortunately, he's an odd-looking bastard. Yeah, you know, and it detracts from you. You, you can't almost write him off straight away. And it's like, no, if you watch Clemens, that that man's got mechanics that are just willing. He, he can act the socks off. Most people, yeah. he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 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 And what was interesting for most of the film, it doesn't become like a sort of like. Remember the Irishman was a little bit sort of like almost the who's who of the Neil films, like cameo for like two seconds just to make mm. sure we're in there. Yeah. This doesn't really have that until maybe the last hour when you like Lithgow pops up for about ten minutes and Fraser pops up for like three scenes. It felt like it didn't really need it, but that, that felt a bit like I'm not saying mm. stunt casting. I don't I don't think the kids are turning out to watch, you know, John Lithgow in it. Mm. But it felt like it didn't it felt like a guy like Lithgow deserves more than just like this sort of very limited role. Um, yeah. you know, so and it would almost been better if he would kept doing what he was doing the previous two hours, which was just having actors who fitted the face and the face fitted the role. Yeah. Play that, play that role. So anyway, that's that's a small side. The standout of the film, hundred percent, is Lily Gladstone playing like the the um the, the wife. Um, yeah, who the, is um from what I've read the, the, the kind of tearaway favourite for an Oscar for this as well. Oh, 
she goes toe to toe with like De Niro, DiCaprio, and it does. It's not that she even just stands up to them and and is on side with them. She fucking blows them out of the water at times to the point you go like, holy shit! Like she's making almost making DiCaprio and De Niro look like you know ham dram actors. Is know? this her first film? I think she's done a few things prior to this, but not. This is definitely her first leading role. Yeah, yeah. And it, she yeah. is just she is every moment she's on screen. She's a phenomenon, absolute phenomenon. And the big, one of the major complaints I've got about it is she disappears for a good 50 minutes of the film as the story goes to different, because she's, in the film, she's unwell in it for a big chunk yeah. of it, which is mm-hmm. in it from the very start. That's, that's something that plays through from the very start. Because that, she disappears for a good 50 minutes of the film, and you don't really see her that much, and you don't see, see her at her, who she is. So if to me, when she was not on screen, it felt like there was something missing. Like, I wanted to see yeah. more of her. Um and there's a lull in the final hour when it kind of drags a bit as it gets into the, into the court casey part of it and the sort of the uncovering of the mystery. Um, but that's minor. And like I said, the things I've talked about that I don't like are minor. Everything else is like, it's fantastically shot. It looks amazing. Sounds amazing. Score is on point. Acting is all excellent. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic film. And it's a film that belongs in cinema. You know, you watch yeah. it. Better we talked about Napoleon last week. Mm. Like, Films like this, yeah, they'll be on Apple Plus by the end of the year, and you can watch on Apple Plus, and you can probably get something from them. But seeing this on a big screen, it's it's where it should be seen. It's, it's, it's made, made for that. It's made for that. Um, I have read a few kind of critics saying that it could have been trimmed down. There's a good kind of forty minutes that you know it could have been yeah, a wee bit of kind of you know he's indulging because he's as he can be. Do you know what I mean? But it, it, it could have been editing a bit more clever. It could have been. But what I would say, Scorsese knows Scorsese has forgotten more about the film than me and you will ever know. Yeah, and he's, yeah, also got, yeah. he's also got Thelma Schoonmaker, who's his editor, working next mm. to him, who is quite possibly the greatest editor who's ever lived. So if they don't want to trim out they think and they want to keep it in the film, then I'm not going to argue with what they want to do. Yeah, there's a reason like, for it. If you took some stuff out, would it have changed the film? Probably not. But it's there, and I'm, I think guys like Scorsese have earned the right to do what the fuck they want, to be honest. Oh, no, de- definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus, it's their film. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't uh-huh. want to watch it, then don't fucking go and see it. No one's making you sit there for that duration. You know, it's, yeah. it's a choice. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I don't think... The, when we talk about editing films, I think something we talk about, when you take a two-hour film, take it into an hour and a half, it would make it better because it would pace it better. It would it would mm. take out a plot line that wasn't needed. It would, it would draw the story together. It would make, you know, if in a comedy, for example... It would make the, the punchlines hit quicker after each other, so you're not having mm. to wait for a joke after a joke. It would actually work better. With this, if you take anything out of it, I don't think it would improve the story. Yeah. You know, I don't mm. think it'd make it go. I don't think it, I would, it would take anything away from the story if you take it out. But, but it's not going to detract either. Yeah. yeah. No. So it's one of those. It's like I can see why. It's, I can see why it's all there. But yeah, you yeah. absolutely could have trimmed forty minutes out if you wanted to. There's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do that if you wanted to. Um, why would you? Why would you? Why would you? Like when you've got the, that cast. With that director, why would you want to trim anything down? Has I'm going to be a bit kind of morbid here. So Scorsese and um, De Niro, is there a lot left in there? Do you think? De Niro, I don't know. Scorsese, I think, seems like a man who still has the the, the, the rigor and the and the sort of verve. Do you think going. he's doing a Ridley Scott? The older he gets, the more you know. There's this stuff. Shit, I've got shit to do. You know, like fucking. Yeah, you know, he wants to make things, yeah, and, and he's, he's not making small films that are like just to mm. and you know just to fill a, a, a you know fill a con, fill a contract. And like he seems he, he still feels 
And because he's, he's doing so much else, he's doing like he's like heavily involved in like film restoration, film restoration and stuff like that as well. And he's you know doing stuff for like music documentaries and things like that. So because he's never quiet, you know, he's he's always a very yeah. busy man. So maybe one thing, once he stops, he'll die. But so he's refusing to stop, which. Fair enough, yeah. If he no. makes another five films, we now need turns 90, then I think the only thing that we gain as film fans is we get to see five more Scorsese movies. Yeah, you know? from, from, from a master of fucking film. Again, you know, if you look at that era of like the guys, like your Scorsese, your Coppola, your Spielbergs, even Lucas, you're looking mm. at the guys who are like De Palma as well. Probably like that group of friends have probably made some of the greatest cinema in the history of like cinema. Probably change you know? cinema as we know as well. You know, they've oh, definitely changed, roadmapped you know. it. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, people, uh, absolutely. This, people, people are still trying to like ape it and copy it. And how many films you see that are like trying to do a Scorsese like gangster film, or how many are trying to do like a a De Palma it's, shot or something? Yeah. Like that. They're all they all try and ape it, and, and so and this didn't feel like a director who was saying goodbye. Yeah, it felt a film a director who still was sort of like. Whereas if someone told me the Fablemans was Spielberg's mm. last movie. I can absolutely see that because it feels like it's it feels like he's saying goodbye. Yeah. The finale is the finale tells me he's going. No, that man still got something he wants to do. But yeah. you could absolutely put that as a film. That's that's his farewell. That's like insane. Swan song, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm walking away. I'm going to enjoy my retirement and just watch what's happened. But he's not. But so, which is great yeah. for all of us. But I could totally see this. This film in no way feels like a man saying I'm finished and I want to do it. If you told me that after Silence, I might have said yes. Like it felt like a man who was sitting in his car saying, "This is my full stop on my career," because mm. it's like it mm. felt like a film that was saying a lot about who he was and where he was from and what he'd made in the past. I could totally understand if that was his final film, but he's made like three, four films since then, so I don't think he's wanting to say goodbye. No, that, no, that's good. Good to hear. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you kind of read up recently on uh, Robert De Niro court case. Were you reading anything about that recently? I've read it. Yeah. Sounds very funny. It sounds like Robert De Niro is the Robert De Niro you think he's going to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, you know, he's like, a bit of a dick, doesn't he? Take, takes no fucking shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Listen to me. I'm fucking you know, quite shouty and, and brash and, you know, Aye. fuck you. I think it's Aye. hilarious that, that, you know, he is, he is Robert De Niro. Because obviously there's this... You know, you know the movie star, but that's not who they are. But he sounds exactly, you know, like, no, that's yeah. who the hero is. He has he a character of the hero. Um, he kind of <laughs> is Jake LaMotta a little bit. And then he was, yeah, totally. Yeah, I bit, think yeah. it's hilarious. I can imagine this judging court going, what the fuck am I about to do with this? Yeah. Fucking hell. He definitely knows people who could have you, you know, taken out. I reckon the Definitely, you know? but just the fact you're all easy, you know, <laughs> abusing judges and juries and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> he is. He's so close <laughs> to being Trump at times. I, I absolutely, like yeah, yeah. He always rules. He always rules against Trump. But him and Trump are kind of the flip side of the same coin. It's got yeah, that kind of same attitude towards like. Listen to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm bigger uh-huh, than you. Yeah. Listen to me. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just like you know, did he roll? Oh yes, did he roll? For fuck's sake! Yeah. It just it, it cracks me up. Um, right, out of ten, sir. For for Kansas I will give it a very solid eight out of ten. Oh, okay. So film of the week for sure. Um, it is one that I, I do want to see it. I just I don't know if I want to commit to fucking sitting down for three hours and forty minutes to watch I mean, it. I, mean, no I get problem. that. I mean, yeah, I get it because a film length can be an issue for some people. I don't think it is because some people will sit at home and watch four episodes of a, of a TV show back to back that mm. last an hour each. So what's yeah, the difference? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, 
But I can get why if you're looking at a runtime, you go, I want you to go and see that film after work at five o'clock. Holy shit, doesn't I won't be out of the cinema until you know close to eleven o'clock at night. I get why that would put someone off. Yeah. For me, I think it was worth it. I I, yeah. I definitely am glad I saw it where I saw it. I'm glad I saw it in a cinema. Um, and I didn't feel it was a waste of my time. I have sat through three other films. I felt like it's when I didn't feel it was worth it of my time. This yeah. one did feel like it. And, I, and like I said, I did not check my watch until probably the final half hour. Yeah. I mean, it is what I do keep thinking I'm going to go and see it. And the times don't quite line up. And it is that thing no. that I finish work. And I'm going to go and see that. I'll get home and it'll be like half ten at night. And I've not had anything eaten. Do you know what I mean? I need to go to my bed for the next day's work. And there's, it's almost like I've got to try and kind of plan it. Because um, just... I rolled into I went to see a film at 12 o'clock mm. and then I literally walked out of that film and rolled straight into this and the film I literally sat down and about five minutes later the film started. Yeah. So I was yeah, sitting there taking an address of that, just like just roll from one thing. See if I had like a day off or something, that'd be perfect. Do you know what I mean? Just take <laughs> a day off, go and see like a kind of midday, do you know what I mean? Start for it. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, I, I guess the saving grace and probably part of the reason why I'm being a dick and not going to see it is I know that it's Apple going to get dropped in Apple really soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, I, I had it in my head it was a couple of weeks after its initial release, but obviously no, not this week, but longer. Maybe starting next year before it's on it, tomorrow, I think. Yeah, or maybe a week and a Christmas special, got. possibly. Yeah. But I know it's I going to be on there. Napoleon's an Apple Plus one as well. It'll be on right. Apple Plus at some quite, point soon as well. Yeah, so. quite soon. Um, and that's becoming more and more of a thing, even with Disney as well. You kind of get to the point now where you're like, why did why did I need to go to the cinema to watch a Disney film? Do you know what I mean? Because it's I'm going to see it. No, even us, like Evil Dead Rise, for example, that's been on. It's on Netflix already. But three or four weeks ago, and it was only out like three four months ago. Do you know what I mean? That is getting to the point of where you know like, I'll catch you when it comes round. Do you know what I mean? Um, by which point you're still not that much. There's still somebody seen a film in the cinema. There is certain things absolutely yeah. in the cinema yeah. that actually does to me. It's still special when I see a film in the See it, dude. I'm the exact same as you. And I've said this before many a time to you um, as well. But I still get that wee kind of buzz when I see those lights down in the cinema. Do you know what I mean? It's still, for me, it's a special place. No, I mean, we've been to the cinema fucking, you know, more times than, than, you know, most people can lay claim to. But every time those lights dim, I still get that wee, oh, my God, you know, I, I still get it. And so I get you. It's a difference to me between, like, when, I, when I'm in the cinema, I don't have any distractions. I literally, the lights yeah. go down and it gets dark. I'm just focusing this screen. I'm not 100% attention. I'm not going. Should I go for a cup of tea this now? Should I go for a coffee? Should I grab it? Should I pause it and go for something else? It's none of that shit. I'm just like I'm just. Yeah. I am focused here for the next you're, you're, two hours. You're in, hours. You're in the moment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just, you're there with it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, so um, definitely. So eight out of ten. I'm getting that as us for this week. Calls it next week. We've got a, actually quite a busy week at the cinema. For stuff that's on. If, if we can get to see anything, and we've got still in the cinema is Wish the Disney one, which as to your point. It'll be on Disney Plus in a couple of weeks' time anyway, so are we going to bust yeah. the balls to get to it? They're going, they're going to drop that for Christmas and everything. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be the Possibly, yeah. Merry Christmas from um, Disney. Mm. You've got Alien in the cinema just now, which looks a very odd film. It's got... Um, oh, this is the one where the, the woman that lives in Glasgow, her and her daughter. No, this is, no, this is the Anne Hathaway one where she is... Working as a prison guard with a girl, um, Tom oh, McKenzie. Oh, I sorry, Eileen. I thought you said Eileen. Eileen. No, Eileen. Sorry. Yeah, Aileen. that. Yeah, yeah, that looks strange. That felt Thomas and McKenzie. And yeah, yeah, yeah I've got you. Yeah. I would say this, it's from the director who did um, Lady Macbeth, the one with Florence Pugh. I never seen that. No. I love that film. I, I was a big fan of that film, so I'm very intrigued mm. by this one. 
Um, you've also got Them, which is out this week, and that's got your man... Um, George McKay, George this McKay. is one I want to see, because this sounds batshit crazy. Um, so this is the one where basically a gay guy gets assaulted while he's in drag. Um, uh-huh. When he's out of drag, he and the guy that assaulted him basically fall in love with each other. Um, uh-huh. Just the premise of that alone just sounds nuts to me. Um, and George McKay's in it as well. Um, so, yeah. Speaking of something, it's, it's in the, it's, I think it's on the streaming cells. He's now trying to find a film called Pretty Red Dress. Um, it's a very similar. Not okay, similar, not, cool. not salt in it, but it's, it's the idea of gender and the fluff mm. of gender and, and that. It's very, a very interesting film if you get a chance to watch it. Um, one of cool. my films of the year, probably this year, um, in terms of what I saw this year. Really, really good film. Um, okay. We'll start thinking of that soon. Top tens. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know. We've also I know. got, still out of time, we've got Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, the Hunger Games movie, <laughs> which I don't think is doing big business. I, I might try and do that next weekend because I think Kira still wants to see that. She likes Hunger yeah. Games films, so it is one that's. It's on my. I need to do. It. <laughs> on your radar. I'm. I'm still on it. Like, my, I'm not. Yeah. Not as invested um, as a kid. <coughs> Watch stuff at home this week. Um, on Sky Cinema, there's two in Sky Cinema this week. You've got Genie, the one with Melissa McCarthy, the Christmas movie. Which um, I've looked at a few reviews for that one, and I'm going to say I'm body swerving it immensely. I've watched it. I've watched it already. I'll talk about it next week. Okay. Right. Um, should I watch it? Yeah. No. I've seen worse. Okay, right, okay, well, I'll take that. I'll try and watch it, right, okay. And also, you've got May December, which is out on Sky Cinema. It was out in Cinema two weeks ago, but it's like it's not Sky Cinema. It's um, Todd Hayes' new film, the guy done Carol. Um, and this one oh, is right, a, it's okay. got Natalie Portman and Juliana Moore. And Juliana Moore and her, Juliana Moore and a guy have a relationship when she's like 35 and the guy's like 13 or 14 when he's in school. He's a teacher. So she goes to jail for that. She goes out of jail and her and the guy hook back up because they actually do love each other and it's still, you know, it's legal at that point. And then I think it's like 10, 15 years later, there's someone making a film about their relationship and about their sort of like story. And it's Natalie Portman is playing the younger version of Juliana Moore. So she moves into the house as an actress to get to know the story and get to know the, to get a basis of the character. And it looks insane. It looks like it looks very soapy. But also yeah. very funny and very dark, yeah. and it looks it's definitely it based a true story. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Just the, the initial story you were telling. It seems like something I've heard before. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting. But, um, there's also if if you want to dip your toe into the Christmas pool, there's the Eddie Murphy one as well, Candy Cane. Candy Cane King or something, yeah. Mm. Um, there's that as well out there for your generic Christmas. Same maybe. Maybe if we're gonna if we're gonna do it. I have done Genie already and um I'm, I don't know if I'm gonna do many new Christmas films after that to be honest. Alright, okay, cool. Well I, I might watch I like Eddie Murphy. I've got I've got a I might watch it. I do like Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy yeah. being funny is always is always fun. But um yeah, so that's us for next week, Cosy. What will people find us? Uh number three <laughs> beers in a movie. Um still on X, um sadly. Uh Facebook and Instagram. So look us up on those two platforms, not the first one much nicer way to do it um, say hello and leave comments and thumbs up and <coughs> accolades and all that kind of stuff do, do that do that for us it's nearly Christmas we're cold make us happy cheer us up a wee bit do it I've been Colin you've been Richard and we've been three beers in a movie